1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macker with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, Always, always, always look forward to this episode every year. Um, There are certain times uh, I I don't like to uh, call on his services a lot because he is uh, a very busy man. Uh, but Ian Bagley is kind enough to always join us whenever um, I uh, <laughs> whenever I ask him to, and I purposefully don't ask him to come on the show that much because again he he's got a lot going on. Um, but trade deadline week, I always like to to have him on to get his insight into a little behind the scenes what's going on, um, what insight he could share, and as is always the case, uh, because he is Ian Bagley. Uh, he delivered the goods. So we we actually went through a lot today. We did some big picture stuff. We did um, some injury stuff as pertains to the team right now. We obviously threw around a lot of names, possible trade candidates, where he thinks the Knicks uh, might be looking, who, if he thinks uh, of anyone, might emerge at the last minute as a possible uh, you know candidate of interest. Uh, it's a really, really informative pod. I, I tried to pack as much as possible into um you know i think we we talked for about a half an hour uh and you're going to enjoy it um and and just uh so i guess i don't know programming note but it's 11:20 p.m. on wednesday night as i am recording this introduction i uh, i would imagine that news uh of trades and or injury news will be hitting the the airwaves fast and furious. Um just a reminder, if and when something ever goes down, if there's a major piece of news, whatever, um tune into the Nick's Film School YouTube channel and you could be sure that uh, either myself, well probably myself, is going to be going live to react to whatever the situation is um immediately. So that's one thing. And then the second thing before I get to the interview with Ian, we're really trying to pump this one up because I- I'm I cannot tell you how excited I am for this event that we got coming up on Saturday. Um, It is our first watch party in a while that we have done. And that's because we've been just kind of all very busy, but we wanted to, to make sure we got an opportunity for any Nick fans in the New York area to come and watch a game with us before it got too late in the season. We are going to try to do at least one more of these after this, but The party is going to be on Saturday night. It's going to be at T squared social. So uh, T squared social is right down the block from grand central station. Um, It is right there on 42nd street. You literally go out of grand central, you make a right on 42nd street and it's about a block away. It is a massive space. Um, The biggest sports bar in New York. We have our run of the entire joint for the entire evening Kicks off at 6.30 p.m. First 50 guests get a free beer if you uh, if you would like to partake. And then obviously tip off for Knicks Lakers is at 8.30 p.m. So we're going to be kind of hanging around, uh, shooting the shit, what have you, from 6.30 until 8.30. And then tip off. And it's going to be a really, uh, really fun evening. Uh, before I go to Ian, uh, Andrew would like to say a quick word. Hello, Andrew.
2: Hello, John. I just want to add to the plug of the watch party on Saturday, which again, 6.30, be there, be square at T at squared. Um, they have asked me to let everybody know that they'll be giving away two spots, two tickets, two spots I forget the terminology of it, to their big game party, their own watch party, the following Sunday. Now, for legal reasons, we can't say what that big game is, <laughs> but if you follow a sport that isn't basketball or baseball or hockey and it, it matters in this country. And no, I'm not talking about soccer. It's what America calls soccer, or I guess what the world calls soccer. Um, and if you'd like to attend their watch party, you might be able to win tickets to it. So if coming to watch the Knicks wasn't already incentive, you may get the chance to win a $200 value of a prize. And what they got there between the duckpin bowling and the golf simulator and and the food and the drinks and all the amenities that are that are there and just like a cool place to watch the big game. Uh come on through and maybe you walk away. Uh you won't leave empty-handed, as they say. Uh yes,
1: come come for that and try to win those tickets to the uh what was it, the big game party? The big game uh, party. Yes. I, I'm just excited because I, I I've mentioned this on the pod probably at some point or another. I, I spent a lot of years in the bar business. I've never seen a sports bar like this. This thing is like a sports bar on like Barry Bonds level steroids. It is uh, a different animal altogether. Uh, Come check it out. It's a a really fun spot. And again, it's going to be all Knicks fans there on Saturday night. So it's going to be a fun evening. We hope to see uh, everybody there. The most popular man in show business. uh, I mean, this time of year, especially. But when isn't he? The most popular man in show business, uh, he, is, he is he is beat reporter extraordinaire uh, for the New York Knicks, reporting for SNY, but only because Mark Berman has has been off the beat because clearly that is a, a belt that that Berman held with his hard and fast reporting for so many years. Uh, Ian, how does it, Ian Bagley? How does it feel to carry on Mark's esteemed uh, legacy? Big shoes
3: to fill. I'm picturing Berman like one of the Legion of Doom guys or the Bash Brothers, maybe like with a big belt on, coming in the locker room like this. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm seeing right now. And I miss Mark. I love Mark. I miss him.
1: Uh, I but still hear from him regularly. Uh, you do? Oh, that's good. I only—I was about to say—I only keep his uh, get for his tweets, which I keep. I still have on notifications, so anytime Mark tweets, whether it's about uh, Florida high school tennis or mm-hmm. dropping in from the top rope, uh, you know, which he does occasionally on the Knicks, um, it's good time. Uh, all right, enough about Berman. Uh, the Knicks are uh, the Knicks are a good basketball team. Can we actually start there before we get into any of the trade stuff?
3: Absolutely, because it's- this is a rare occurrence infrequent occurrence if we're talking about uh the year 2000 on infrequent and uh yeah i think you know it you guys should soak this up because this is a a very very uh, competitive team uh a team that if, if they're healthy they have a chance to do something and this team is a has a foundation that can be built upon so i yeah i am uh As a neutral observer, I'm impressed by how they've played and how the pieces have fit and fit so well. And
1: and as a neutral observer, what I'm always curious, what I always try to sneak in a question about when I talk to you is you're there every day. You get a sense of things as you just went. By the way, I loved the conversation with Fred about reporting. I could listen to you guys talk about that for an hour, but I, I thought it was funny. They were like, yeah, nobody wants to hear about this. No, but thank you. You hear and see a lot that you don't explicitly report. Um, you want to call it uh, vibe check, call it whatever you want. When you are there every day, how do how do things seem? How do things feel? Because it, it's from the outside looking in, it, it, it looks pretty great.
3: Yeah, it seems like a very good locker room, right? And I don't, I don't want to, I guess, overstate what we see, and uh, to a lesser extent here, because you hear stuff that you don't see. But what we see in terms of being in the locker room, sometimes before the game and after the game, you know, it's it's uh, tight periods periods of time uh, guys are I guess looser before the game or very loose after a win but it's not like we're seeing the guys on their own and how it is when no one's in there no cameras are in there but just based on observation it seems like this group is connected well and has a belief about itself and also just en- enjoys being around each other. Uh, I think Josh Hart said it last night after he said he hopes to make a shot before uh, Christ returns. He also said that the vibes are really good. And and it seems that way. And, and you see how it is on the court. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to, A, the decision makers for getting OG Ananobi, but then OG Ananobi himself for just fitting in right away uh, before he even knew what, Sets to run or where he was supposed to be, just fitting in really well. And uh, I think that's a big credit to him.
1: I completely agree. And you, one thing before we move on to what might be in store, I could only because I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this. Uh, I don't know other, any other way to phrase this. So I'll just phrase it the way I think makes sense. How hard of a decision do you think making pulling the trigger on the OG Ananobi trade was for the front office? If, if you have any insight to offer on that.
3: Um, my understanding and, and kind of, uh, also, a I guess would be that with Emmanuel quickly, it was, it was pretty much known that it was going to be difficult to retain him in restricted free agency and then do other things that they wanted to do, which included, you know, re-signing, re-signing Isaiah Hartenstein and other things. It was going to be challenging. So. The quickly quickly being traded uh, didn't shock me. RJ Barrett, I think I was a, a little more surprised, only because um, you know he, he's on a, a I would say a, a good deal from a cap perspective, um, but I didn't know like who which teams would be taking that in if it if he became available, and so that I think was a little more surprising. But I, I think going back to your Uh, Your first question, and it was about how, what was it, how willing? I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, like, do you think it was an easy decision for for them at the end of the day? Yeah,
3: I think, yeah, given the players and given who they got back and they've been on him for so long um, and given the draft compensation, I don't know, easy is not the word, but it was probably a decision that everyone saw as completely rational uh, when it was made because uh, of everything and all the factors at play, including uh, having to pay quickly.
1: This summer that, yeah, that's about, that's, that makes sense. Um, Julius Randall. Uh, so I don't really know how to even ask you questions about this because I, I feel like every, you along with the rest of the, um, the beat has kind of made it very clear, like what, what you guys know, which is that there's like, there's this level of optimism. Okay, great. But it's cautious optimism and let's not, you know, celebrate just yet. What, what I, what I am curious to to know from you, and again, this is well. Anytime I talk to you, it's always I, I always feel like I should have a giant disclaimer. Like Ian Bagley is offering his opinion to some extent on these questions. Um, I, I, aggregators, get ready. Um, but with the Randall injury, as of now, and maybe we're all going to get, maybe you're going to get a t- a buzz in your on your you know phone, and, and that'll all change. But like as of now, there is uncertain. There's still some uncertainty, some level of uncertainty. Do you, th- or at least it purports to be a level of uncertainty? Do you think that there is actual uncertainty about what is going on? Or do you think that there is, I, I wouldn't even know how to, what to ask about, but like something else going on, which is why we have not found out, okay, it's this X, Y, and Z.
3: I mean, the tinfoil hat, maybe you say they're because of the trade deadline, they don't want, some information out there but that wouldn't even make sense because everybody knows that julius reno is going to miss you know at least three to four weeks because of a shoulder dislocation so i I do think that there is uh just kind of more fact finding going on i'm going to take tom thibodeau at his word on that because there were tests done i know for sure tests done after that initial x-ray and mri uh on saturday night and then there were additional tests sunday um and you know like Look, I'm not a doctor, uh, but obviously they need to they need to figure out even if Julius Randall can avoid in season surgery. Can they get him to a place where he can be back on the court and be effective? And I, I would assume that's, you know, uh, not something that every doctor would see the same thing on. So maybe they're gathering opinions on who sees what and who sees the kind of the, the pathway forward. Uh, so I don't think there's anything uh, any other element here. but. The thing that confused me and the thing that uh, ruined two days of my life was I thought.
1: I'm not laughing uh, at you. I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: no, 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 it's fine. It's all good. I thought, uh, on Saturday night, I thought Sunday we would have something, but then for sure, like Monday morning, I had a good reason to think that we would get something Monday evening. And, uh, and it's been cricket. So, um, yeah, it's that, that part uh raises my eyebrow but I don't have any real tangible reason to to think it's anything other than what's been said publicly
1: so with that lack of information in mind this is probably going to be a, a quick answer but do do you have you formulated an opinion at this point on how if at all the injury is impacting um New York's approach at the trade deadline. And I realize as, I, as I'm asking that, that that's a complicated question because we've now seen two two games without Julius Randle. I want to get back to those two games in a moment because you and Fred talked about, boy, accountability seems to be through the roof at the moment. Uh, and maybe that wasn't always uh, 100% the case. But just well, let's keep it simple for a second. Anything you know on that front, do you think it's influencing you know things one way or the other?
3: Mm, I have not heard that they've been more or less aggressive at all uh, in the wake of the Randall deal. One team in touch with them said, like they felt like maybe the Knicks were in a bit of a holding pattern, waiting to see where it landed with with Julius. But that's just one team, and and it's spoken to you know one or two people over there. Um, so maybe that's the 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 way it's impacting them right now. Maybe they just need some clarity before they can figure out what they want to do. Uh, but I I think that the interesting thing. That I'd heard w- right before. Well, I heard it after the injury, but it was true before the injury was there was a, a sentiment. Uh, I don't know if it was a general sentiment, but it was there was some sentiment to standing pat and to not doing anything because for, I think several factors. One, they were playing well. And uh, you know, it's do you want to mess that up? No, do you is it difficult to integrate somebody at? that's called Malcolm Brogdon. At this point in the season, yes, it's tough. And also it's hard to thread the needle that they would like to thread, which is, as you know, is um, trying to get a player back who's under contract for next year for trade purposes and also trying to maximize Quentin Grimes's value in a trade. And, and you can't do that sending him out on his own because there's no player who who has uh, commensurate talent that's making the money he's making. So you really have to include him with Evan Fournier to get uh, a solid player back. And it, it's just, it's difficult. It's not easy. Um, so I think those were the factors there. And if I'm playing it forward with Randall, um, I mean, they're still playing well, but I would think they would want to do something without him for for several weeks. Uh, but I do think that the hurdle is because they want to do something so, so specific
2: What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a 2-6 to six player stat projection. With the NBA season more than midway through and the NFL season with just three games left, now is as good a time as any to pick combo projections across sports from the specials league. For example, on any given night, take Jalen Brunson over in points, Julius Randle over in rebounds, or OG Ananobi over in steals. Then combine it with two NFL props, like Patrick Mahomes over in passing yards, or Christian McCaffrey over in touchdowns. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepickscom slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepickscom slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. I'm gonna I'm trying to make this question as clear as possible
1: because the most important the the thing I wanted to know from you the most is this we've seen this team play basketball now under this regime for this is whatever it is, the fourth year. A lot of times they could go honestly months at a time, and I don't know necessarily how much new things we are learning because it's the same lineups more or less, and it's like some guys may get hot, some guys may get cold. They're the information that they have been able to gather over the last month, first post-OG, and now with this ultra small sample size of no Randall, it's like, and no OG, once they had him, now they don't have him, is like, they're learning so much so fast, like Dante DiVincenzo is exploding, you know, all of a sudden. From from what you've been able to gleam over your years, not only reporting on this regime, but just re- re- I mean, just all of your years reporting, like, do you think this is the sort of front office group... That will like read and react to use a Tibbs term, uh, read and react in like real time and really be taking in all that they're seeing and and, and holding this as like really not that it's of course they're going to hold it as important evidence, but this trade deadline's a week away from right from tomorrow when, or, or today or uh, yeah. So like, how much do you think that what they are seeing and what they have seen recently might impact what they're planning on doing or, or I guess not doing?
3: Yeah. I think that the, you know, the people that I can speak about with a degree of confidence, I don't they're not, uh, I don't want to say knee jerk, but they're not, um, they take a broader view and they take, um, you know, it's, it it takes, they take a lot into account in making a decision and making a trade is a huge decision. So I don't think like anybody would say, Hey, these last two games without Julius, you know, uh, X, Y, Z, Dante Vincenzo has been amazing. Let's change our thinking um, at the deadline because of that. Um, I think it's more so, if I'm guessing, right? It's, it's how does OG look? And then it's also what are we doing at backup center? And then Precious Achua. he's played well the past few games. And is it, a, is it him finding a comfort level and just allowing his natural talent to come out? you know, we'll, we'll keep finding out more information about that. But I think the way he's played, if you can continue to do that, I do think that changes how they would approach a backup center, whether it's trading for a Daniel Gafford or a Clint Capella or what have you. Um, so I think that's interesting, but I don't know if anybody's gonna say, I'm sure there are like, look, there are a lot of voices over there, a lot of different kind of groups alignment. So I'm sure there are people within the building saying like, well, Dante DiVincenzo has been unreal. Like, let's tap into this. Let's make a decision around this. But as a like Leon Rose and and I think as a uh, majority, I don't think that would be the case.
1: Okay. Um. And and again, I think the the proof is in the pudding because how how many things that they've done over the course of time would you would you call like a knee jerk reaction? I don't. I don't. You know, not many. Yeah. yeah not many. The closest one I could think of, it, I wouldn't call the Kemba signing like knee jerk, but like that. The buyout kind of happened and then it like they were there and that's funny enough that didn't work out so well so i wonder if yeah yeah
3: they like needed a point guard yeah yes and also i would say just kind of piggybacking off of that uh that general trait there were times where we we know it like tom thibodeau's seat was boiling hot and Leon Rose and and everyone else didn't make that knee jerk decision where it would have been easy to fire the head coach and then you kind of absolve yourself of blame as a as a team decision maker as the head of the franchise. Leon didn't do that. He stuck with Tom Thibodeau through rough patches, uh, through patches where we've seen other Nick coaches get fired, and he didn't do that. And now you know I think he's reaping the benefits of the that kind of patience and I think that loyalty to Tom Thibodeau because. You look at where they are right now, and I think Tom Thibodeau has played a significant role in this record.
1: Uh, two quick ones, and then we'll get to what everybody wants, which is I'm going to throw some names at you. Um, speaking of Tibbs, have you heard anything on extension talks? I, and I ask you only because I get asked about it a lot.
3: I, the only thing I know for sure was it didn't reach like a significant point prior to the start of the season. Um, and I would, could only assume... Well, I don't know. I don't want to make any okay. assumptions. That's I know it funny. didn't get far before the season, and I would, my assumption would be, if something happens, you know, unless they win sixty games, something would happen uh, after the playoffs based on how things had gone.
1: And then Ognanobi again. I'm, I'm asking you this question at five forty four on Wednesday, January thirty first. So I, it may be irrelevant by the time this posts. But like any any update, that you know on there?
3: Uh, I just I don't have an update there. I don't think it's anything that's serious, serious. I think it was something that uh, we saw him had a, he had an ice pack on um, I believe it was the Miami game. yeah so um, I, obviously he, t- he tweaked it or heard it in some way there but I don't think it's anything serious.
1: Malcolm Brogdon, uh, you have been you steadfast, I would say, uh, in reporting that. And again, you just spoke about this with Fred. So I don't want to step on to the toes of uh, the the wonderful Cats and Shoot podcast, which everybody listening should go and subscribe to. Uh, it was it was it was it was truly a great spot. Um, he, that, but you've you've been pretty consistent reporting that you have you have not heard it. would be very clear. You have not heard that that talks of like that there's been a whole lot there. I. The thing again, I get this from a lot of fans, like why wouldn't they be going after Brockton? He seems like the perfect fit, he's a veteran, but he's not too old. his contract works, all these things. do you, do you have any insight as to why maybe they, they aren't you know barking up that tree? Mm, I think
3: I, I just hesitate to like paint it with a broad brush because who knows like you know Saturday could come around and they could be on the phone with Portland and then. They say we need him, so let's get something done. But you know, to date, I, I think that you look at uh, Tom Thibodeau and you look at what they're trying to do, which is add to their bench, get a creator off the bench. And I think there, he's he's got a comfort level I would assume with an Alec Burks or with a Bruce Brown, and that comfort level is is much higher than it would be with a Malcolm Brogdon. Um, so that's kind of how I see it through that prism a bit. Um, but again, you know, things can change quickly. If you said to me, um, like, are you going to put money on the idea that the Knicks are going to trade for Malcolm Brogdon? I wouldn't put money on it, but again, things, you know, situations change as we see with the Julius Randle injury. Um, so it's hard to say with any certainty, what's going to happen on February 8th.
1: You mentioned Bruce Brown and Alec Burks. Uh, you've, I know you've been asked about this ten ways from Sunday. You've reported on this ten ways from Sunday. So I'm going to try to phrase it a little bit differently. In your opinion, do you think that one that those two it, again, if you're, you're placing Ian Bagley's imaginary, uh, you know, hundred point chip on on something, is, is there? A, are they at the top of where you would most likely place your chip? <laughs> Look good doing that, man. It's very bad. Uh,
3: no experience doing that.
1: You remind me of the Tom Cruise character in uh, Tropic Thunder when he does that crazy, that silly dance and he's doing... Yeah, anyway. Uh, you don't look like him, to be very clear. <laughs> anyway, would, would you please... I don't know why that came to mind. Would you play... Do you think that those two names are like... If, if like there's a most likely category, not saying that you're, you're saying they are likely to trade for them, but if you had to put some names at the top of the list, are they at the top? And if so, is there like a, a little gap between them and, and everybody else, in your opinion?
3: Yeah, my opinion would be that those two I think would be at the top I the thing that trips me up is uh again the idea that like there was some some thought to not do anything and I just wonder how much that extends beyond just the Randall injury and, and now the idea that he might come back I don't know how pervasive that idea is but uh, the 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 fact that it was a, a rather I don't significant thought I don't know how to put it it was a thought that just makes me wonder like even with Burks and Bruce Brown like do you do you feel comfortable doing what you would need to do to get that done And Burks it's tricky because of his salary um, <laughs> the salary match makes it tricky. One scenario though that I think is interesting is you put Burks and you put Mr. Kevin Knox, Together in a package, and then you have Fournier and the math works, but Knox actually can't be traded until the day of the trade deadline. Um, anyhow, yeah, it's uh I think it's again tricky needle to thread, but I would say, yeah, at this point, you know, Burks and, and Brown are, are probably a tier above anybody else. And uh the the backup big situation to me is interesting too because of how a chew is playing.
1: I saw. I think I looked this list up correctly, if I'm, or if I'm, that I'm recalling correctly. I think Kevin Knox is one hundredth in Knicks history in games played. Don't, don't ask oh, me why. Wow. I look. Wow, up.
3: look at you going down the list.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, and maybe he'll get higher. Who knows? Uh, if uh, there was a name that emerged as like you know whether you report it or whether somebody else reported reports it, uh, like the Knicks are. You know, showing serious interest in in, in player X, uh, not someone we've already talked about. Is there one name that you think? No, that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me for for whatever reason that we we haven't talked about already.
3: Yeah, I think uh, Jordan Clarkson would be that name. And like I, a couple of weeks ago, I was just talking to a team and they were saying like Utah, they don't want to trade him. Like they love him, and it would take a ton. Don't want to trade him. It would take a ton to get him out of Utah because they value him a lot and at that point the Jazz were winning games um so I'm, I don't know if if that has changed since then but I do think the price would be very high but if you look at what the Knicks want again player under contract beyond this season player that can create uh coming off the bench he he checks the boxes so that would be the guy who I would also would keep an eye on um so I yeah I look there because of Uh, I know Kelly Olenich, Michael Scotto reported on Kelly Olenich and the Knicks interest there. So yeah, I would keep an eye on Utah. And also, like, to me, the, like, Quentin Grimes is, is, uh, kind of a fulcrum here. And like, where does he fit? And I, I know that Washington and I know that Atlanta and Utah, uh, there are people in the organ, those organizations that are very high on Quentin Grimes. So, are there deals to be made there where you can include Grimes? Uh, the other part of it is what do the Lakers do, right? Do they, if they go all in on DeJounte Murray, that takes a Bruce Brown suitor off the board. And does that make it uh, easier to deal for him? Maybe. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of how I'm viewing it at the moment.
1: Speaking of Michael Scotto, he was guest uh, earlier today on Wednesday on The Putback. A
3: lot of shows today. What? <laughs> a lot of shows today. What right new content today? I said you're the busiest man in show business.
1: <laughs> um, the 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 putback uh, almost always has great guests. I have to say almost because I, I am appearing on the show next week. Wow, oh, so,
3: man, that's the that's the best lineup when we get. Yeah, uh, Johnny's in the house.
1: Nothing will beat when we were on with Berman and he had to do it from outside. That was that was one of one. Oh, um man, I hope his
3: skin's okay because that was a, a roast job. <laughs> It was it was a tough one.
1: Uh, Okay, uh, two two last quick ones, and then uh, I will get you out of here, and I will get out of here because we we have uh, things to do. Um, If again, this is aggregators put your put your uh, I don't know how do aggregators aggregate. Put your pens away. Put Put your pens
3: down. Put your pens
1: down. (laughs) <laughs> can you imagine if there are people with literal pens and papers I listen to this uh if you if you had to guess um right now nicks uh make a trade before uh, uh next thursday or not what are you what are you guessing uh,
3: my guess would be yes my guess would be yes I would I would guess that they do something
1: and second part of that question because I had a funny feeling that you were going to say that um Actually, sorry, before I get to the last question, I lied. There's one other thing I had to ask. Do you think there's any residual bad blood between the Jazz and the Knicks from whatever didn't happen a couple summers ago?
3: I would say I don't think so. Like, I think part of that bad blood was from uh, when members of the Knicks were courtside for the Mavs Jazz series. I know that was fun. Jazz were upset about that. Um, and I don't. I don't, I mean, maybe it goes beyond that. I don't know if it does, um, but I don't know how deep it was is what I'm trying to say. So I don't know if it would linger to that point. I thought you were going to say uh, with Colin Sexton and, and what happened last night oh, early on in the Jazz game, like, does that impact how they might view him? And I, I don't know, but I would say, I would think so because, you know, clearly he was being uh, a pain in the ass and. <laughs> That's I mean that's what he's good at. That, but he's I mean, there was something points. extra there. It seemed like there was something extra there yeah. with, with Jalen, and obviously Jalen's the head
1: of the snake. I like uh Sexton, and as I hear a, a crying baby from the other side of the door that I need to uh, obtain soon. Last question: Do you think Quentin um, Grimes is on uh, the Knicks? Uh, what eight eight and a half days from now?
3: I, I kind of think so. Uh, you do think I, so? I, okay, I do. Uh, yeah, because. I just don't see that deal coming together where it's Grimes and it's forney and it's draft compensation for two players or whatever one player. It's just
1: yeah. Ian Bagley, you are the best. I never feel bad about saying that. I have Fred on this on this freaking podcast all the time. He's like my one of my best friends now. Ian, you're the goat, man. Uh, like you, you're the goat. And uh, I think I say this every time. Nick fans, better count their lucky stars. Our basketball team may have sucked uh, often over the last 20 years, but we've had you uh, to report on them, and and that is, uh, that is a gift. Uh, so, S-N-Y, follow Ian Bagley. Uh, what is it? At Ian Bagley, right? Yeah, on Twitter. Yes, sir. And-
3: yes, sir. I appreciate the kind words, man. Really do. Don't don't take any of it lightly. It means a lot. So, thank you very much.
1: It, it means a lot that you come on here and allow me to pester you with uh, assorted nonsense for uh, the time that I get to do it. Let's do it again. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> we'll, do it, we'll do it next week, except you can pester me with, with uh, yes. whatever you want to ask
3: me about. Yeah, I'll be hammering you with the tough questions.
1: Yeah, there it is. Okay. Ian Bagley, everybody. All righty. That was a great conversation, as always. I mean, it's it's Ian. He does not disappoint. He doesn't know how to do so. Um, I, I hope you found that interesting, entertaining, informative—all of the different things. Uh, if you're not following Ian on all of the proper social platforms, make sure you do that. Um, also, tune in to his regular program, the Putback. Uh, on uh, they they promote that through SNY, like again, all of SNY's social platforms. I am going to be appearing on the put back next week, I believe on trade deadline day, I think we're going to do the same thing that we did last year, which is that uh, we'll start running a live stream here at Nick's film school. A couple hours before the actual trade deadline, I'm going to hop over and and be on with Ian uh, on the put back and then, and then I'll hop back. Um, So it's, it's going to be a big, crazy day that is next Thursday. Um, but we have games to play before that. Again, watch party Saturday night. Be there. B squared. T squared. Social. Um, things kick off at 630 for Knicks Lakers. Uh, that's it. Hope everybody uh, enjoy the pod. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. And we will talk to you soon. Peace out.